You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Looking at Russia's hybrid war as a cautionary example, Russia warns again that it will meet cyber attacks with appropriate retaliation. China says us too. NSA and FBI warn of nation-state cyber threats. Sentinel-1 finds a Chinese APT that's been operating quietly for a decade. An unpatchable vulnerability in Apple chips has been reported. We've got more interviews from RSA Conference, including FBI's Cyber Section Chief David Ring and ExtraHop CEO Patrick Dennis. And the overhead projector said, Go Tigers! From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, where we are happy to be back home in Maryland, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, June 10th, 2022. Business Insider reports that 17 senators, all Democrats, have signed a letter to the Secretaries of Defense and Homeland Security the Director of National Intelligence, and the Directors of NSA and the FBI, asking that they give due attention to protecting the 2022 midterm elections from Russian interference, whether that takes the form of cyber attack or disinformation. They write, As the Russian invasion of Ukraine has led to an increase in Russian disinformation and warnings of potential cyber attacks, We urge you to ensure that your agencies are prepared to quickly and effectively counter Russian influence campaigns targeting the 2022 elections. A statement from Russia's foreign ministry yesterday warned that Moscow will respond to cyber attacks, Reuters reports. Director of the Department of International Information Security of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Russia, A.V. Krutsky, said, Rest assured, Russia will not leave aggressive actions unanswered. All our steps will be measured, targeted in accordance with our legislation and international law. NBC News quoted the foreign ministry as accusing Washington of deliberately lowering the threshold for the combat use of cyber weapons, and the consequences of a lower threshold means that escalation will be the fault of the West. The Russian said, 
the militarization of the information space by the West and attempts to turn it into an arena of interstate confrontation have greatly increased the threat of a direct military clash with unpredictable consequences. A direct military clash would be kinetic combat. The proximate occasion of the Foreign Ministry's warning appears to be this past weekend's website defacement of a second-tier Russian ministry's webpage to display the motto, Glory to Ukraine. The rest of the world wouldn't regard nuisance-level hacktivism as a casus belli, but things look different from the Kremlin. Mr. Krutsky explained, I will emphasize what has already been said more than once. State institutions, critical and social infrastructure facilities, storage of personal data of our citizens and foreigners living in Russia are being hit. Officials in the United States and Ukraine are taking responsible for the sabotage. It is there that they categorically refuse to develop international legal foundations. They do not seem to fully realize how dangerous aggressiveness and encouragement of gangsterism, banditisma, that is, banditry, in the field of information security. China has also commented with disapproval on U.S. Cyber Command's General Nakasone's allusion to having engaged in a full spectrum of cyber operations. The Register reports that Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian said, The U.S. needs to explain to the international community how these hacking operations are consistent with its professed position of not engaging directly in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. He went on to object to American cybersecurity assistance to third parties generally, or as he put it, U.S. deployment of cyber-military forces in some small and medium-sized countries. Mr. Zhao warned small and medium-sized countries that accepting this kind of American security help is dangerous. He said, These countries need to keep their eyes wide open and beware whether such deployment could embroil them in a conflict they are not looking for. Observing that cyber conflict could easily escalate into kinetic, even nuclear, war. The Register dryly notes that the two nations' very similar statements made on successive days may not be coincidental. Speaking at the RSA conference, NSA Cybersecurity Director Rob Joyce reiterated and updated warnings of the threat posed by both Russian and Chinese state-directed cyber threat actors. InfoSecurity magazine says that Joyce paid particular attention to the wiper malware Russia deployed against Ukraine before and during its invasion. He also noted that Chinese cyber espionage had grown in aggressiveness and rapacity. Joyce has long warned of the threat Moscow and Beijing pose in cyberspace. He sees the Russian threat as immediate and acute, the Chinese threat as a long-term problem. At an earlier RSA conference, he compared Russian cyber operations to a hurricane, Chinese cyber ops to climate change. The FBI added its own warnings of the cyber threat from China to the conference. The record quotes Elvis Chan, assistant special agent in charge at the Bureau's San Francisco field office, as saying, We've actually seen, here in the San Francisco area, an uptick in reconnaissance from Chinese advanced persistent threat actors specifically. The Chinese operators are particularly interested in industrial espionage. Chan says they're still looking to steal as much intellectual property as they can. Researchers at Sentinel-1 have identified a Chinese cyber espionage threat group they're calling Aoqin Dragon. 
that's been unobtrusively at work for the past decade. It's assessed as a small group that's been heavily active against Australian and Southeast Asian targets, mostly government, telecommunications, and educational organizations. The threat actor has used a variety of techniques to obtain access to its targets since 2013, including document exploits and the use of fake removable devices. Alchin Dragon has also used DLL hijacking, the MEDA packed files, and DNS tunneling to evade post-compromise detection. One of the hallmarks of the group's activity insofar as social engineering is concerned has been a heavy use of pornographic fishbait. Sentinel-1 thinks there's a good chance that Alchin Dragon has some association with the group Mandiant calls UNC-94. TechCrunch reports that MIT researchers have found a hardware flaw in Apple's M1 chips. The researchers have found that point authentication codes, PAC, a hardware security measure that protects against code injection and buffer overflow attacks, can be bypassed in an exploit the researchers inevitably call Pac-Man. Pac-Man combines memory corruption and speculative execution to guess PAC values. There's a finite number of possible PAC values, which makes it possible in principle to brute force the values. But Pac-Man also depends upon other exploits against which the M1 is protected, and so it may not be as serious as it sounds. That appears to be Apple's view. TechCrunch quotes the company's statement, Based on our analysis as well as the details shared with us by the researchers, we have concluded this issue does not pose an immediate risk to our users and is insufficient to bypass operating system security protections on its own. And finally, the borough of Tenafly, New Jersey, is recovering from a ransomware attack it sustained. The Tenafly public schools noticed an anomaly in their network and shut them down as a preventative measure. They subsequently found a ransomware infestation. Since the schools were offline, Google Workspace, Google Classroom, Google Drive, and the other online tools students had grown accustomed to were unavailable. The schools had to cancel final exams, but they reverted to old-school instruction tech to keep the lessons going. The students found the overhead projectors especially cool, the record quotes a school official is saying. So good luck to Tenafly, and we'll close by shouting a hearty Go Tigers in the direction of Bergen County. A good summer, Tenafly High School. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. 
So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Cybersecurity leaders are seeing unprecedented outreach and collaboration from federal agencies like CISA, NSA, and the FBI. You'll often hear the phrase, cyber is a team sport, with the acknowledgement that working together is the best way, perhaps the only way, to meet the challenge of the threats we're seeing. David Ring is Section Chief of the FBI Cyber Engagement Intelligence Section and FBI Cyber Division. I caught up with him at the RSA conference. FBI brings a lot to bear against the threat. Um, Of course, we work very closely with our critical partners in government, NSA, Cybercom, uh, CISA, um, to bring a whole-of-government approach to the broader threat environment because, again, cyber is a team sport, right? We hear that a lot, and and that's a mantra for the Bureau as well. Um, Our goal is to ensure that all of the resources that the federal government has are brought to bear against the threat in, you know, working with private sector, it's critical that we bring those resources in as well and that we're engaged early on. I'm an old CT guy, right? So I'll use CT <laughs> language. We, we try to go left to boom with yeah. these companies and identifying avenues where, where we can share, two-way sharing of substantive information, intelligence, um, that can point us in the right direction or we can point them in the right direction, either one-on-one or more broadly. What do you say to to folks who may find themselves, I'm thinking particularly of those small and medium-sized businesses who may not think that they are up to the level where FBI engagement really makes sense. Is that something you're looking to get past? It sure is. Um, And frankly, like when you look at the victim space, those small and medium companies are really where the victim space is, right? Because they don't have the same resources that these giants have. And of course, we need to work with very large corporations, companies, infrastructure providers every single day to make sure that we're working the threat effectively. But um, from a day-to-day approach, we have to identify who our most systemically important partners are, right, in, 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 the, in the private industry space. And so those companies aren't always the huge ones that everybody thinks about. Yeah. When we talk about some sensitive national security projects, we talk about COVID vaccine development and things like that. These are, these are sometimes some smaller, certainly medium-sized companies are, are very involved. Um, there are all sorts of sizes of managed service providers out there that we need to identify and go out and, and have those conversations with at the field office level. FBI's got 56 field offices across the country. It's um, part of our value proposition in, in, in working with private sector and countering cyber threats. Um, we're a deployed workforce across, across the country um, and frankly across the world uh, where we can have a technically trained cyber agent on somebody's doorstep in a very, very short time frame. Um, we're talking hours versus days um, in order to 
work with that organization. And if it's incident response or they're dealing with an incident or it's just, hey, we've identified that you guys are working on something that's really critical. If, you, if that information was potentially disrupted or, uh, or stolen, there's a national security implication. There's a public safety implication. We need to be out there with you and working through kind of those threats and we can work with you to identify where some of those vulnerabilities lie. It's really interesting to me to see, I, I, I guess what I describe as a real uh, shift in approach for organizations like the FBI. We're seeing it with CISA as well, with the outreach, even NSA, the outreach to the community. Things aren't as insular as I think people thought they were. And I, I wonder, you know, people might have had the, this notion of the kind of the big, bad three-letter agencies um, but it doesn't. It shouldn't be that way. I mean, these resources are for folks to take advantage of. Yeah, I think that there's um, an, a stigma that we're or a stereotype that we're trying to get away from. Yeah. You see, you know, in TV and movies, the FBI braid jackets. They're kicking down doors. They're carrying stuff out of a <laughs> right. building. They're putting up crime scene tape. And most organizations don't want that type of presence out there when they're dealing with this. Um, that's not what the FBI does when we respond to a cyber incident. We take the cues from the victim organization, the targeted entity, and say. Hey, let's have a phone call. We have questions that we that we are going to ask that's going to help us understand what you're dealing with, and hopefully, we can provide information that we have obtained via our investigations um, and our our work with uh, intelligence community partners and other government partners that can help you deal with the situation that you have. Right. So, our goal is to get away from that big, scary three letter government agency um, stereotype that sometimes exists out there, and say, no, we're we're truly here to help. I know that that's uh, an overused term. Hey, we're the FBI. We're here to help, but we truly are. Um, And, you know, we're going to engage as, you know, um, in a, as minimalist of a way that that organization needs, right? So we're not going to be rolling up in 20 black Suburbans and people pouring out and and making a big show of it. We're not going to walk out of the building with your servers, right? We're, we're there to, to facilitate, assist and inform rather than um, be disruptive. What's your advice uh, for folks who are looking to start that relationship, to, to make that introduction? What's the best way for them to go about doing that? Yeah, so um, the best way is at the, local, at the most local level possible, right? So again, 56 field offices and hundreds of smaller sub-offices that we call resident agencies across the United States work with your local contacts. It's, it's out there. It's on the internet. You can reach out to your local field office, have that initial outreach, look into InfraGuard programs. InfraGuard is a public-private sector partnership that the FBI works with at every field office. They have their own chapters. It's a, it's a method to get through the door and start talking to your local FBI contacts. We have multiple agencies in field offices on cyber task forces um, where, you know, you've got local police, state police, um, other U.S. government agencies like Secret Service and others working together. If you've got a contact in those organizations, they can feed you into the FBI as well. Um, but the best thing to do is pick up the phone or, or, or pull up the email and reach out to your local FBI field office, and we'll reach back out to you and we'll start developing that, that relationship. Oftentimes, that relationship blossoms. They feed us, feed folks back in to my, my team here at headquarters where we can engage at a, at a more national strategic level as well. That's David Ring from the FBI. There's a lot more to this conversation. If you want to hear more, head on over to CyberWire Pro and sign up for Interview Selects, where you get access to this and many more extended interviews.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. It has been a busy, productive week at RSA Conference. Crowds are certainly down from peak attendance years, but by no means did the show feel underattended. In many ways, it felt like a bit of a reunion. Patrick Dennis is CEO at ExtraHop, and we caught up yesterday as the conference was winding down. This is a bigger, more energetic show than I expected. I don't know what your experience has been, but people have been excited, everybody that I've met. I would agree, and and I I had that same question of how many people are going to be here. And is it going to be strange? Mm -hmm. And, and, And so my observation was there were a lot of people here, and somehow we've navigated to a place where this felt like an honest-to-goodness, well-attended, well-put-together conference. Um, People took practical steps, and I I had a great time. Yeah, me too. What are you hearing from customers that you've met with? What sort of things are on their minds? So um, first and foremost, and this was consistent, I've talked to probably 30 customers um, for somewhere between a half an hour, 45 minutes each. It's a pretty good sample. Uh, International, big, small. Without question, we're at the peak, at least from what I've seen, of tension between IT and security. Um, Businesses are getting pulled into transformation initiatives super fast because of everything that's transpired in the world. And at the same time, work from anywhere uh, has really challenged security teams, as has just a number of advanced threats, labor, all those things. And so there's a real tension there. There's pressure to move a business forward really fast. Um, and pressure for security teams to do that in a way that keeps people safe and secure, and it's tense, and it's hard. How are they reacting to that tension, to that, to that pressure? What, you know, what are they seeing on the other side of it? So interesting. A great question, right? The, the other thing I would tell you is they're, they're all very hopeful. I've been through cycles here where I've not seen hope. So even with that tension and that pressure, like I have a ton of great stories that came from customers where they've been really successful. I think it's getting really practical. You know, there have been years where security and IT had trends and topics that were pretty big, maybe didn't land. Yeah. I had a lot of very practical conversations this week. How can I make things better now? How do I make things better for my people now? Um. What can I do to advance the business now? So there is a sense of urgency. I haven't seen uh, quite like this any time in the past. Do you have a sense that the security folks are being supported by the higher-ups in the company, that there's a, a recognition of the investment that this requires? I think that's 50-50. Hmm. So I feel pretty strongly about that particular topic. Okay. Um, we have a lot going on in the world, right? We're recording this. There's still a war going on. Yeah. It's been going on for over 100 days. Right. Um, 
And we still have security professionals that aren't getting the support that they need from their companies to make sure, um, you know, we use the CISA term, their shields are up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there could never be a time where it's more obvious that people should at least be prepared. And so I think it's 50-50. I spend a fair amount of my time uh, as a CEO trying to make sure we're asking customers to do that for their teams. Um, I'm an interesting chair, right? I'm the CEO of a security company, so we obviously care about security. But I still have my fiduciary obligation, my duty of care, and my duty of loyalty to our business as a security professional. Um, And I know what I have to do to support my team. And I don't think uh, people around the world are getting the same support that we offer our team. And Hmm. uh, it's probably 50-50. Still scary. Do you sense that the the relationship between IT and security is... Is growing closer? Is 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 the mandate coming down or or bubbling up? That that is where we need to go, and so the folks in those positions have to. I I can think of two conversations I had specifically yeah. uh, that I'm going to use as the reference point for this. Okay. Um, one uh, was an, a leader, mid level leader, that had identified he could get leverage from the other group. So he walked across the aisle and he said to IT, hey, your network team could help me a little bit on security. And my security folks know a little bit about a network. Neither of us are fully staffed. I'll help you a little bit if you help me a little bit. Okay. And um, they've reworked almost their entire investigation workflow as a result of it, turned it entirely upside down. They're using their IT network team um, almost as a kind of tier one. They're kind of adding them to that layer. Right. Super effective. That was a very, very savvy mid-level leader that just saw a way to solve his problems. I had one other conversation where absolutely top-down, uh, very large financial services company, top quartile CISO, mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I want to know we have the best protection that we can have. We're going to bring these two teams together. They're not going to do the same thing. And we're not even going to organize them as one single team, but we're going to make them sit together and kind of get the mission brief together, and they're both going to have a role to play. Um, So I've seen it done both ways. Is there a difference with, with, if someone is spinning up an organization today, a new effort, you know, new new entity, Right? are they coming at it from a different direction than legacy companies? Certainly that mid-leader example that I gave, is a newer organization, a little more greenfield. Okay. So they're trying to build that workflow kind of in an integrated way. Uh-huh. The other example is a legacy organization. Um, and what I would argue that's a little bit more of like, hey, they're having to break some glass to put it back together again. I see. Um, they're solving it with budget. So interesting, right? Top hmm. down, you can put a budget lever on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that CISO is using that budget lever a little bit with the two teams to say like, neither of you have quite enough. But if you work together, you have plenty. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Pretty cool. It was a creative solve. Okay. It's, yeah, it's compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you and I are here together at the RSA conference, we are just about midway through this year. Hard to believe. Um, Gone fast. What do you, yeah, it really has. What do you see on the horizon? What, what do you think we're in for the rest of 2022? Um. So we're also in a point where people are talking about the financial outlook. Right. So if we kind of go back to this uh, situation that we're in, 
which is maybe why it's unusual that I saw so much hope and optimism, right? We've also we've seen a pandemic, we've seen a war, we have some uncertainty in the financial outlook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be a busy back half. I think it's going to be a busy back half. I don't exactly know which one of those dominoes is going to fall and how it's going to hit another domino, but there's certainly enough in the forecast to look out and say it's going to be it's going to be really busy for cyber professionals. I think we're going to see some of the spillover probably from the war. I think we're going to see some just pressure in markets. That's always challenging for teams that are trying to find people to employ and build the team and build tools and products and capabilities. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure in this back half. It's going to be busy. What's your advice to folks? You know, having, having been here for these few days, having the conversations you've had, for the people out there who are trying to up their security game, any words of wisdom? That tension I described between IT and security does nobody good. Hmm. These leaders I described that are finding ways to build bridges between those two teams, those people are better off. Build the bridges, work together as a team. If you can do that and be practical uh, in this back half of the year, facing some of the things we're going to face, you're going to be better off. That's Patrick Dennis from ExtraHump. That's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out this weekend's Research Saturday and my conversation with Danny Anamitis from Lumen's Black Lotus Labs. We're discussing new developments in the WSL attack surface. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Rachel Gelfin, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Haru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Ivan, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.